Well, today we're going to start a little mini-series called Pillars. And if that sounds familiar to you, it's because last year we did a little four-week series called Pillars. Uh, Matter of fact, on purpose, we use the same slide to remind you because I I told you then that every year, unless I'd feel directed otherwise, we're going to take a a three- or four-week period of time um, and we're going to to, um, look at who are some of the people um, that we would look at and say these are pillars of our faith, that we stand upon the life and ministry of these people, that they built and established the pillars of the Christian faith as we know it, and, um, and we want to learn from them. We want to get to know them. Some of the people that maybe you don't even know that they're a pillar. So what we are going to do, we did last year and this year, is we take an Old Testament character, we take an ancient church history character. This year, for next week, the ancient church history is going to be Augustine, um, whose his, his teaching and writings completely affect how we think and what we do today in the church. So we'll talk about him next week. Then we're going to do a New Testament character, a uh, person, and then we'll do a more recent church history person. And uh, so on Mother's Day, I think it's Mother's Day or the week after, Suzanne and I will be co-doing one on Lillian Trasher. Who's ever heard of Lillian, the great missionary, somebody's a God missionary to Egypt, um, as running orphanages in Egypt, really kind of set the tone for doing that kind of ministry that has then been duplicated all around the world um, in the Assemblies of God. Just a wonderful lady who did incredible ministry. And so it's, it's just a great series to see how we benefit from the lives that other people have lived. So today we're going to look at an Old Testament pillar, and in order to get started, I'm going to give you a quiz. So there's a a quiz that came up, a quiz, one question quiz, can we pull it up here? So the question is, Jeremiah was A, a bullfrog, B, a prophet of God, C, a friend of mine, or D, all of the above? D, I hear D. Anybody have a different answer? D, all of the above. Now, I've got a question. Are any of you sitting there and going, I have absolutely no idea who a bullfrog is and a friend of mine? Anybody? A great 70s song by Three Dog Night. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine, never understood a single word he said. And the next part is about drinking, so you won't go there. But... um. So Jeremiah was D, a bullfrog, yes, a prophet of God, yes, a friend of mine. So the right answer is D. So if you got the right answer, you got an A on your quiz for today. So today, we don't want to look at a bullfrog. We don't want to look at Jeremiah as a bullfrog being a friend of mine. But we want to look at B, Jeremiah as a prophet of God. So Jeremiah, matter of fact, you can turn your Bibles there. We're going to get there in a minute. We're going to look at a few different sections in Jeremiah. One of the major prophets in the Old Testament. Um, And so Jeremiah um, was a prophet in Judah about 600 years before Jesus' time. And he was a priest. His father was a priest. And as a young priest, um, God called him out of the priesthood to be a prophet. And what that would mean is, as a prophet, he was one who would hear a message from God, and then he would go and tell the people what God was saying to them. And um, 
interestingly for Jeremiah, because with all kinds of prophets, and Jeremiah's experience is pretty similar to a lot of other prophets, but Jeremiah, from the very beginning of his prophetic ministry, God told him that he would tell the people the message of God. He'd say, God told me this, but that the people would never listen to him. How would you like that as an introduction to the ministry you're going to have your whole life, your job, what is going on? Is God saying, I am, here's your job, Jeremiah. You are going to tell my people a word directly from me, and they will never listen to you. I'm telling you, that's not the way to recruit people to ministry positions. But Jeremiah, one reason the pillar is because God called him, he followed and obeyed. So let's look how God said um, people would respond to him. So look at just the very first chapter of the book of Jeremiah. I was actually thinking this morning when the power was on, I thought this is the one time for sure that having your digital Bible would make sense because it was light enough you could actually read it. Um, because we were trying to figure out it was so cloudy and dark, could I even read my notes without any lights on in here? But now we have power. So Jeremiah chapter 1, let's just look at two verses that kind of give an idea of this is what Jeremiah's life is going to be like. Starting in verse, chapter 1, verse 17. God talking to Jeremiah. Now, gird up your loins and arise, and speak to them, this will be the, speak to the people, all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them, or I will be dismayed before them. Um, now, behold, I have made you today as a fortified city and as a pillar of iron and as a wall of bronze against the whole land to the kings of Judah and to its princes and to its priests and to the people of the land, verse 19, they will fight against you, but they will not overcome you for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. He tells Jeremiah, he would tell them that, that you're going to tell the people the truth, but look what's going to happen. Their response to you, not going to be like, oh, Jeremiah, we love you. Thank you for giving us God's message. But rather, they will fight against you. They would not listen to you. And what we see throughout the entire book of Jeremiah is that he speaks what God says, and the kings and the priests and the official prophets, because there were official prophets that, were, that, were in, that worked with the king to tell him what's going on, he wasn't part of that group. He was just a prophet called of God. So the official recognized prophets and all the people would reject everything that he would say. In fact, in fact, because he spoke the truth, what happened to him is he was criticized. He was prosecuted and found guilty. He was imprisoned and he almost was killed. So at one time, they took him and they threw him into an empty cistern. A cistern is a big thing that gathered water. And they threw him in a cistern and left him there to die. But some people found out about it and rescued him and, and pulled him out of the cistern. And not only did God say that the people would reject everything that he had to say, but God also said this, that he would have to do it. And as he did it, he would stand alone while he spoke to them for God. God told Jeremiah that he, would, that he should not marry. He should stay single and alone. And that as he should not marry, he should not have children because he's saying the destruction that's coming will be so great, you would not want to bring anybody into it. So here we have this young Jeremiah. Dad's a priest. He's called out of the priesthood. He's probably, scholars think, about 21 years old, being told by God to stay single. Now, how does that sound to you? Stay single. You're going to be alone. And preach a message that won't be received, and that message will cause the people to reject you and fight against you. 
And what was the message then that he would continually preach and would be continually rejected? It was basically this, over and over for his entire ministry, 50 years, here's his message. Destruction is coming to Judah. That destruction is coming, that Babylon was going to come and would completely destroy Judah. And so his message was, don't fight it. Don't rebel against it. Don't fight it. When the, when the Babylonians come, surrender to them. Give them anything they want. Just go along with it because this is the plan of God. So look at, listen to how one of his, a typical prophecy for Jeremiah goes. So just flip a few chapters over to chapter 7. This kind of summarizes what Jeremiah's life was like, the message he would preach. We're starting to actually read a kind of lengthy section from verse 1 to verse 15. So look at starting in chapter 7, verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord that you, um, hear the word of the Lord that all of you, Judah, who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts and the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, this is the temple of the Lord, this is the temple of the Lord, this is the temple of the Lord. Now that's going to be significant because there's false prophets saying nothing bad's going to happen. God's with us. This is the temple of the Lord. Verse 5. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, look at how he describes what they should do to live right. If you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, And do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to whom, uh, to your own ruin. Then I will tell you, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your forefathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and offer sacrifices to Baal, and walk after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered, that you may do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer, Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to the place which I gave you and your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. I will cast you out of my sight, and as I have cast out all your brothers, all the offspring of Ephraim. Now, how would you like to get up every Sunday morning, go to church, stand before a group of people, and tell them that same kind of message every single week. What was his basic message? Basic his message is this. People, you need to repent. 
You need to change direction. Turn from your evil, so then I'll rescue you. And he decides, he describes here, and I just think it's so important for us today to look at it. How would we repent? If you truly amend your ways and your deeds, and if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien and the orphan or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods, to your own ruin. He says, you need, to, you need to return to the right way. Stop doing those things. But by the time that Jeremiah is prophesying, God says, you could repent, but the message really of Jeremiah is, but the time is past. This is what I know about you. God's saying, this is what I know about you. You're not going to amend your ways. You're not going to change your ways. And because you won't repent, destruction is going to come Upon you, And what he says, he uses an illustration that would have been amazing and, and, and fearful to them. He says, I'm going to do to you what I did to Shiloh. Does anybody know what Shiloh is? Shiloh was the city that was the previous central place of worship for Israel before Jerusalem became the central place of Israel. It was the worship. It was the key religious spot for the people of God. And what he says to them, he says, listen... Stop being so blind that in the past, when the people acted the way you acted, I let destruction come upon them. And he said, if you don't believe me, look at Shiloh. Shiloh had been decimated. Shiloh had been destroyed. He goes, you think I'm not going to let it happen because you're saying, oh, you're my people. The house of the Lord, the house of the Lord. We're God's people. But he goes, listen, wake up, open your eyes, look at Shiloh. I let it be destroyed because the people wouldn't listen. And that's the message that he spoke over and over and over again. And that's the message the people continued to reject. In fact, not only did they reject it, the official prophets, the ones that the king was listening to and the people were listening to, and the, and the, and the leaders of the, of, the, of, the, of the people of God were listening to, prophesied just the opposite of Jeremiah. You know, verse 4, Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Flip in your Bible back to chapter 5 and see something else that he says about listening to these false voices. Chapter 5, verses 30 and 31, talking about this idea that not only were you rejecting what Jeremiah is saying, but you're listening to the opposite, to false voices. Look what he says about the people here, chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. He says, an appalling and a horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule on their own authority. Look at these next words. And my people love it so. But what will you do at the end of it? The prophets kept saying, listen, peace and safety. Peace and safety. Everything's going to be, all would be fine because guess what? We're the people of God. Problem was, God wasn't telling them to say that. Their message was false, but the people loved to embrace it. Why? Because the message the false prophets were prophesying fit their narrative. Their narrative is, I want to live however I want to live, and I can do whatever I want to do, and God's just going to continue to bless me. That God would rescue them no matter how they lived and how they acted, and it all would be worked out just fine because we were the special people of God. So for 50 years, Jeremiah prophesied, and the people rejected his message. But guess what? Near the end of Jeremiah's life, in 586 BC, before Christ, 600 years before Christ, 
Jeremiah was proven correct and the false prophets were proven wrong because guess what happened? Babylon, under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar, wicked Nebuchadnezzar, who God himself says he raised up to bring destruction, Nebuchadnezzar came in, totally destroyed Jerusalem. The people fought against it. Jeremiah kept saying, stop fighting them. He's fighting against them and he's going, just give up. That he came, Nebuchadnezzar comes in with Babylon, completely destroys Jerusalem, destroys the temple, destroys everything, and lead the people into exile. And you know what church history tells us about what happened to Jeremiah? Not the scriptures, but church history says happened to Jeremiah. It says that in Babylonian captivity, because he was taken into captivity, the Jewish exiles stoned him to death. Can you imagine that? How amazingly sad that he had spent his entire life trying to rescue the nation, saying, turn away from your wickedness. And what he prophesied, he'd been telling them for 50 years, it came true, and the people knew it, but they still rejected the truth, and they stoned him to death. All of this explains why Jeremiah is referred to as the weeping prophet. Then you probably know him by that name. He's thought, thought of as the weeping prophet. And the reality is he didn't, wasn't weeping for himself, although his life was tough. There's times in, in, in Jeremiah, because Jeremiah of all the prophets is the one that most is biographical. It shows his actual life the most. And there's times when he says, forget it, God. I'm done with you. I can't do this anymore. You know? So Jeremiah says, I give up. And then God deals with them. But he wasn't weeping for himself. No, he was weeping because of the sins of his nation and the destruction that he's saying it's going to come and that he lived to see it come. And in my opinion, there is no person in Scripture except Jesus himself who could more fully be seen as a true pillar of the faith because he stands as the most shining example of what it means to sacrificially serve God with all one's heart, mind, soul, and strength. He gave it all to serve the Lord without ever recognition, being fought against the own people of God saying, we hate you, we want to kill you. But he kept doing what God asked. So because of that, he's a true pillar of the faith that we stand upon. Now, with that understanding of Jeremiah and his ministry, what he did, let's think about this. Let's ask ourselves this question. What truths can we glean from the life and ministry of Jeremiah that can help us in our walk with God today. And I think, I felt led of the Lord to speak on Jeremiah as the Old Testament pillar because I think there is incredibly significant things that Jeremiah's life and ministry speak to us today. We're going to look at two of them. The first one is this, and you need to, in your mind or in your notebook, write it down. Because it's the opposite of what you've been taught um, in, in, in a lot of things you hear in the world from what's supposed to be the church's message. And it's this. Number one, following God is costly and can be lonely. Following God is costly and it may be lonely. And I think this is especially important for us to get a grasp on right now during the cultural moment that we find ourselves in right here in good old America, U.S. of A. Because the cultural current is going against 
Christianity in the Western world. Now, I think it's important to note that this is true in the Western world, meaning America, Europe, Canada, the Western world. That's what we think of Western thinking world. It's not about geography. It's about Western thinking. That's true here, but it isn't true in most of the rest of the world. Much of the world right now is experiencing the greatest Christian growth that Christianity has ever seen. And we need to be aware of it. And we need to say, praise the Lord and hallelujah and keep going, Holy Spirit. Keep going, Church of Jesus Christ. One of the things I love about Kingdom Builders is we partner with people who are in places that are saying, we've never seen such opportunity for ministry in our entire lives before. Do you know that during COVID, um, people in ministry areas like Chris Martin who are in the Muslim world, most of their contacts are through the internet. They have so many people contacting them about coming to know Jesus that they literally cannot keep up with all of the thousands and thousands and thousands of responses from, from people in the Muslim world saying, we, we're desperate for hope. Jesus, is he the answer? They've never seen it before. They're like, we literally can't keep up. We need more people. We can't keep up with the demand. So much of the world, the gospel is exploding. And this is really important to realize for us right here, right now, where it's not, so that we don't fall into a trap that so many here have fallen into. I'm saying here, meaning in our, in our Western world and in America. And it's this, the false trap of reading the activity of God through the lens of America. The false trap of reading prophetic and biblical texts through the lens of America, thinking that America is representative of what's happening everywhere because it's not. We're only 6% of the world. 96%, much of that, the gospel is thriving. We're only 6% of the world's population. And it's a mistake to thinking that America is representative of what's happening everywhere. Most places are seeing the greatest kingdom of God expansion that they've ever realized in all of history. So don't make the mistake of reading the Bible of biblical prophecy and biblical teachings through the lens of America. The Bible simply is not written with a special emphasis on America. It is not. America is a blip on the radar screen. We've had human history for five to six thousand, recorded for five to six thousand years. We're a little over 200 years old. We have 6% of the world's population. As a country, we've gone up and we've gone down. You know how many countries have come and gone since human history began? Countless. Now, I don't want to see America crash and burn, but the fact of the matter is, the Bible is not written in any way where America holds some special place in biblical prophecy. However, in America, and that's shocking to some of you, I know. However, in America, I believe we are in a time of spiritual decay much like in the time of Jeremiah. That's why I really believe the Lord led me to preach on Jeremiah today. And living fully devoted Christian lives in such a time as this will probably be costly and can very likely be lonely. And I think all of us need to recognize that as a society, as our society continues to degenerate, move away, and I'm using degeneration as moving away from biblical values, that standing upon the biblical principles that we know from Scripture will continue to be more and more unpopular and it will become more and more costly for you if you do. Anybody familiar with a pastor, a great pastor and a writer named Tim Keller? 
from Manhattan, great pastor in Manhattan. I think he's Presbyterian, but solid Christian pastor of a great, brilliant thinker, writer. I read something he wrote just in the last couple of weeks, and he said this, that he believes that in as little as 10 years, he's not, being, he's not trying to be prophetic. He's not saying I'm a prophet. He's just saying his gut. He believes that in as little as 10 years, holding traditional biblical values on family and gender will keep Christians from holding jobs in large universities, in the government, and in large corporations. I don't know if he's right or wrong, but that's his belief. He says within as little as 10 years, he believes that could happen. In other words, standing upon biblical principles may cost you your job. But understand, that's nothing new. That was true, standing for God's truth, was true in Jeremiah's time, wasn't it? It was surely true in Jesus' time. It was true throughout the, through early church history and all of church history. It's been true that standing upon Jesus and his word flies against the world and it costs you for doing it. We've just happened to be living in, the, in a time, and for us maybe the end of a time in our nation, when holding biblical values has been actually celebrated for the last 200 years. It's been celebrated to hold Christian values, but that seems to be changing rapidly. Now, why am I saying this? Am I saying this to scare you? I am not saying it to scare anybody because Christians should never live in fear. We have the Spirit of God. We know, our, we know who wins. We're on the winning team if we're a child of God. Never should be afraid. Why am I saying this, though? Not to scare us, but to prepare us. Serving Jesus may cost us. And our question is, are we prepared for that? Have you settled in your soul that Jesus really is the most important thing in your life? That Jesus really is the center of your world and you will stand with him come hell or high water? No matter what happens, what you won't give up is your walk with Jesus. Have you settled that in your heart? Because guess what? That may be tested in some ways in our lifetimes. We need, I believe this. We need to wrestle with this because times may be coming that we may be put to the test. I don't know what that'll look like, but I'm saying, what do we learn from Jeremiah? It can be costly and it can be lonely. And it's lonely to stand with Jesus a lot of times. But Jeremiah, if we could bring Jeremiah back to us today and say, Jeremiah, was it worth it? Jeremiah would say, listen, walking with God is the best, the only way to live. That he would, he would tell us the Jesus life, walking in Christ, is always worth it, no matter what it costs. That's why Jesus said things in discipleship about like this. He would compare living for him and growing in him. Like he'd say, before you build a tower... Count the cost. Can you actually put the tower together? Do you actually have the materials? Or before you go to battle against an army, consider, can you win? He's saying, count the cost. Because it's often costly to follow Jesus. But the Jesus life is always worth it. That's what Jeremiah would tell us today. I believe it. So that's the first thing I think we can take from the life of Jeremiah. And there's one more thing. And there's probably dozens, but one more thing that I think is incredibly important to us. And I want you to remind something. I'm speaking to you today as your pastor. I always try to do that. 
but I'm speaking to you as your pastor who's given the responsibility to try to speak what God shows me to you as a way to be helpful. And so the second thing that I think we need to know, especially in this era of the technology that we have where voices are coming from everywhere around the planet, is that church, you need to be careful who you listen to. You need to be careful who you're listening to and who you're getting your ideas from. And I'm telling you this in advance. I will probably step on some of your toes in the next few minutes. I don't mean to be mean. But I need to tell you what I believe is the truth from God's word as your pastor. Because I believe that I see and I've seen people making a great mistake in this area and it's costing you and it will cost you more as it goes time goes on we need to be careful who we listen to in jeremiah's day the prophets and the crowd were saying peace and safety that was what they were saying everything's going to be fine jeremiah you're wrong the temple of the lord the temple of the lord the temple of the lord god is always protecting us god will continue and he's saying uh, what about shiloh They were speaking false messages, and Jeremiah was prophesying doom and destruction. If you don't repent, doom and destruction. And the question is, you're sitting in the crowd, and you say, who do I listen to? Both voices, they're contradictory to each other. Well, let's settle something before we delve into that. Settle this. Just like in Jeremiah's day, God still uses the prophetic, the prophetic ministry gifts. You could say, some would say, and some do say, well, the prophetic idea of God speaking went away um, with the Old Testament when the Bible was completed. Now we have that. So we know from the scriptures, God primarily, it says in Hebrews, speaks through his son. How do we know about his son? We know through his son, through the word of God. But we also know from the New Testament church, what Paul wrote to the Ephesians, the New Testament church, the church we live in, the post-Jesus life, death, and resurrection church that we are in right now, the last day's church. That we are, that, that we live in. That's where we are. We're the last day's church. We know that the ministry of the prophetic is still valuable and still of God, and that it didn't go away at the Old Testament. And we read that Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the Apostle Paul, writing to the New Testament church, says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. He gave some as prophets, it says. The New Testament church has the spirit-inspired ministry of the prophetic, and where someone hears the message from the voice of God, which lines up always with scripture, and is spoken to the people of God. And like in the ministry of Jeremiah, understand this, the message of the prophet is most often spiritually directed, getting us to turn to God. It's not primarily intended to be predictive, and so people always want to think, they think the prophetic is like, what's going to happen in a month? What's going to happen in six months? That's never primarily the thing. Jeremiah's message was primarily repent. He says, and if you don't, destruction is coming. So it was pre- predictive, but it was primarily spiritual. You need to repent. You need to give in to the Babylonians. So God does speak this way through people today according to the New Testament. But I have a warning for you that some, Maybe many of those who call themselves prophets in our day. Matter of fact, I would say this. For the most part, if somebody calls himself a prophet, I'd be incredibly leery of them. 
but calls themselves a prophet today, very often have disqualified themselves by prophesying falsely. And as your pastor, I am warning you that you need to pay attention to what they say and what happens. And if they've been prophesying falsely, you need to stop listening to them. You need to click off of their web website page that you're following. You need to stop getting their newsletters. You need to stop buying their books because it is hurting you. And when it hurts you, it hurts the kingdom of God and it hurts Portview Church. I want you to just think about some very real things that will ring a bell for some of you that just in the last few years, a couple years ago, all these prophetic voices in America were warning about the blood moon. Right? The four blood moons. The blood moon is an astrological phenomenon that was just predict that it was happening. It's real because of the configuration of the moon and the sun and everything. There's a, a phenomenon called the blood moon. Well, people started saying, oh, that's a blood moon. There's a blood moon from Scripture, and this is what's going on. And, and they stirred up a whole bunch of people, and they wrote all kinds of books, and they made all kinds of millions of dollars telling you and scaring you that this is the end of the world because of the blood moon. Well, guess what happened? They were wrong. Sit with me. They were wrong. They were wrong. They were wrong. So my question is, if they were wrong, why do you keep listening to them? If they've been proven wrong, why would you keep listening to them? Just last year in 2020, many people worldwide, especially America-wide, including some people here, were taking, were all listening to a pastor online who was talking about the visions that he was having about the destruction of America, and he named the dates during September, October, November, and December of 2020. You listened to it, many of you, because a lot of you forwarded this stuff to me, and I went, delete, as soon as I listened to the first one. He was talking about Chinese troops in America's cities with guns holding America captive. The Chinese would be here on our streets. That the American dollar was going to crash. It was never going to be the world standard ever again. In September, October, November, December of 2020, he's named the dates. I see a calendar, and here's what's happening. And a lot of you are firing them things around. And some of you, some people I know are using it as prayer guides. Oh, we got to pray this way. Well, guess what? September came. October came, December. October, November, December came. I never saw a Chinese troop in Fort Washington. Never saw one anywhere. The anarchy that was predicted didn't happen. I tried to warn people. I tried to say, stop listening to this guy. You don't know who he is. Stop listening. My question is, why do you still listen? Why do we still listen? How about the past election? Many of those national prophetic voices said very clearly, God told me that Donald Trump will win the election. They said, they didn't say, I think. They said, God told me Donald Trump would win the election. Did Donald Trump win the election? No. And I don't care if you use excuses and say, well, they didn't count right. He lost. He lost. They were wrong. Because God's bigger than any government. God's bigger than any supposed schemes that were out there and conspiracies that are out there. If God told them it was going to happen and it didn't happen, they were wrong. 
Now, there's really only two explanations about these things. Either the people are legitimate false prophets trying to deceive people. I don't know. Or they're simply misguided and they got wrapped up in the emotion of it all and they thought they were right. But at least you know this. When they said, God told me, they were wrong. They did not know how to discern the voice of God, like the false prophets in Jeremiah day. So I don't know which it is. It was intentional or it was mistaken, just misguided. But either way, stop listening to them. Stop listening to what they say. Why continue to listen to people who keep sharing, this is what's going to happen when they've been proven wrong time and time again, no matter what excuse they're giving to try to twist events around and say, well, really, it's because the election was stolen, or really this. No, they said, thus saith the Lord. They literally said, God told me, and they were wrong. Now, I don't not love them. They're probably wonderful Christian people, but they were wrong. Stop listening to them. You don't know them. Why listen to somebody that you can't see their life? They're a, they're a figure you don't even know that lives in the media and you don't know them. You don't know what their lives are like. Stop listening to them. What we learn from Jeremiah is that there are false prophets. And what the reason I pointed out in chapter 5, verse 31, and my people love to listen to them. When the pastor that I referred to that people were listening, you know, September, October, November, December, this is all going to happen. When he said to you online, start buying guns and start buying gold, I said, turn him off, delete him. You know why? Let's say you started buying guns and started buying gold, and everything happened that he predicted. Are you going to take your gun and shoot somebody to protect your gold? Does that sound like Jesus to you? Let's just be real. Does that sound like Jesus for one second? Take your nine mil with your 400 rounds and shoot the people who want your gold and your food. What happened when Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, they're coming to arrest him, Peter draws out his sword, lops off the ear of the servant of the high priest. What did Jesus say? Put your stinking sword away. Buying gold and buying guns doesn't sound one lick like what Jesus sounds like. And what they're saying doesn't line up with the Word of God. Stop listening to them. But our people love to listen to them. So, if people are prophesying, and what they are saying puts America at the center of their interpretation of biblical prophecy, stop listening to them. If people you are reading and hearing about are, are predict, telling things like, go buy guns and gold, stop listening to them. That does not line up with Scripture. The warning from Jeremiah is, be careful who you listen to, and if you don't know the people, especially, if you don't know their lives, you don't know their, how they're living, be very cautious about who you listen to. And this, friends, because I said this and I, I mean it, I'm sure I've offended some of you today. I didn't want to, I'm not trying to, I don't mean it to be mean. That was a phrase in my mind as I was writing this. I don't mean to be mean. But I want you to be honest with yourself today and ask yourself, 
if what the people you listened to in the past that you really value and they're your superstar, hero, preacher, prophet, whatever, and it didn't happen, would you please just be honest with yourself? And then you say, you know what? I don't want to listen to them anymore. I don't want to put stock in what they say. Don't let somebody, especially that you don't know, manipulate your mind with the excuses on why what they said didn't happen. You have never heard me say, thus saith the Lord. Because I've never known something so clear that I said, God absolutely told me. I say, I think maybe God is saying this to me. I'll say, God said this, thus saith the Lord. But when people are doing that, I'm just telling you, and it didn't work, don't listen to their manipulations. Don't listen to their excuses. Just stop listening to them. I had a friend, a pastor friend of mine for years. I actually followed his in suit for a while, but I got tired of it. He had a file he called the, the heretic file. And every time somebody nationally or in the media or in his church would tell him, thus saith the Lord, and then it didn't happen, he wrote it down or he cut the article and he put it in a heretic file. And the next time the person in his church would come to him and say, well, God told me this, he'd, he'd literally pull out the heretic file and say, well, six months ago you told me this. So you're wrong. So why would I believe you today? So for years I did that. I didn't actually have a file, but I'd file it away in this file. I'd say, well, Bill, Bob, Frank, Sally, whatever, a year ago you were telling me this. And that didn't happen that way. So why would I possibly listen to what you have to say about this? Let's listen to what this has to say. Let's do our best just to live in the book. Let's learn this lesson from Jeremiah. Let's be careful who we listen to. Friends, I thank God that God still speaks to us. He speaks through his word. He speaks by the spirit through his word. He speaks through the prophetic voice. But let's learn from his true prophets of scripture. Mainly, the prophet's message is directed at getting the people of God to return to God, to live holy lives, and to rely on Jesus, not self. Not rely on the government party, not rely on any particular person, but to rely on God himself. And that's the message that we need today. And my question for us is are we relying on Jesus and Jesus alone? Are we relying on Jesus as our Savior and our Lord? The Lord, the one who directs what we do and how we live. Are we, or are we following a whole bunch of other voices? Is it Jesus as Savior alone, Lord alone? Because that's the life he calls us to. So if I hurt your feelings today, I'm sorry. But I believe that God wants you to hear this. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask you in all sincerity, help us to know your voice. Lord, you speak to us. And I thank you that you inspire your word by the Spirit. And I thank you that you inspire people to speak your word. I thank you that, that, that the amazing and the miraculous and the prophetic didn't stop 2,000 years ago, but that you still, you still heal people. 
You still set people free from sin. You still speak messages to us. You gave us a, a prophetic, a, a sense, a word of, of knowledge today for people, a, a gift of the Spirit. Or you spoke through a person to speak directly to our hearts. I thank you for that, that you speak to us today. And God, it seems like we're living in a time where what we believe on your, from your word is being challenged at every spot around us. And Lord, help us, please help us to be honest with ourselves and take stock of our lives and ask ourselves this question, have I really come to the point that it says, take it all, but give me Jesus? Or Lord, would we shrink back if all of a sudden Serving you was costly and lonely. Would we shrink back? God, I pray for every person in this church, every person listening on live stream today, that, Lord, that not one of us that know you would shrink back, no matter what it costs us. Come hell or high water, we will serve you. And, God, we're not happy or looking forward to a point where, where it would get tougher. I hope it doesn't. But Lord, we know, just like in Jeremiah's day, you have a plan. You have a plan for nations. You have a plan for the whole world. And, and we just happen to be living in some cycle of that plan. And, and we don't know. And so, Lord, we just want to be able to walk in lives with trust in you. No fear. No fear, God. No fear. Because you're, we're hidden with Christ and God. We don't have to be afraid that you always say, you look at your people and say, fear not, for I am with you. God, you're with us. Help your presence be so real in our hearts that we would experience your reality in such powerful ways that we know we're, we're secure in you. So Lord, for any person in here that doesn't feel secure in you today, I pray, God, that you would just wrap your love and presence around. church as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. It's a private moment of prayer. Maybe you're here today and you say this, I'm honest, Jesus is not in first place in my life. He's not the center of my life. He's not the Lord of my life. He's not the Savior of my life. And maybe I give lip service to him, but no, not really. If the, tough, if the, if the times got tough, I'd walk away. Or I'd never even been with him really in the first place. And something inside of you today, the voice of the Spirit of God is speaking to you and saying, come home. Come home to me. I'm here for you. Come home to me. And you're ready to say yes to Jesus. You're ready to say, yes, I, I want to put Jesus as a center. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to walk with him. I don't even know what that all entails, but I'm going to follow him. He is God and I am not. And I'm going to, I'm going to surrender my life to God. I'm going to follow him every day. If that's you this morning. 
I'm going to ask you to do something between you, me, and God because no one else is looking around. I want, to, I want to give you a chance to respond. If you say, I'm ready to do that today, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus, and I've not done that, I want you to raise up your hand. Just raise it up. When I see it, I'll just tell you to put it down. Slip it up this morning. Praise the Lord. You and live stream today. You're saying, you know what? I need Jesus. He's as much in your living room or your bedroom as he is at Portland Church right now. Say yes to him today. So Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, that you protect us. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom of your word. And Lord, I would pray that as I've done my best to explain this today, that Lord, only what, I, what would line up with your, with your heart would be remembered and anything else would be forgotten. And that Lord, you today, you today would rule and reign in the lives of every person within the sound of my voice. And that, Lord, we would walk through this life looking to your word for what you have to say. Looking for people that we know. Not some person living on the other side of the world or our side of the country, but who we know to help us understand what you're saying as we grow and mature in the Lord. So, Lord, we trust you. We're happy to be your children. We're excited that you have a plan. And we believe in this day, this is the day of the greatest opportunity for the church in America there's ever been. Because people need hope. And they are hopeless. And we have the message of hope. Because Jesus, you are hope. God, I pray you would inspire every person in the sound of my voice today to know that they, have to, they can tell everybody they know they don't have to be afraid because Jesus you give peace and you give hope and that Lord we can trust in you today so thank you for your goodness in the name of Jesus amen stand with me this morning friends I know we've gone a little bit over but I'm hoping that that was what the Lord had for us today don't forget, children's church and Wednesday night kids club workers, ministers, um, we have a meeting right after church in room 11, um, the other building, first doors on the right, um, that'll start in just probably about 15 minutes. We'll try to get it going in about 15 minutes. We'll get you out of there in one hour. And so please make your your kids can come. Pastor Mitch is going to have them in the, in the uh, youth center, the gym area, um, and uh, what a blessing to have so many people who work with our kids. What an amazing blessing. Let me close with a great blessing from Scripture. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, friends. Go in the joy of the Lord knowing that he loves you and he's got an awesome plan. If you need prayer, I'm down here to pray with you. God bless you.